thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Good morning, good evening, or good day, all you lovely listeners. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Wellness Moon Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And don't forget, you can find us on social media. So I am the period whisperer on DrAndrea.xo on Instagram. We are the Wellness Women on Facebook and the Wellness Women official on Insta. And you can find Ashley on Dr. Ashley Bond on everything. So welcome to another episode of Wellness Women Radio. Uh, Ash and I are kind of a little bit fired up about this topic tonight like a little fiery little uh i don't know what what would you say Ash, a little bit passionate maybe i'm gonna say sassy we're feeling a bit sassy about it you know like <laughs> some of it's a little bit controversial some of it's pushing out some brand new science that's literally walked off the press in the last month um yeah. and that kind of gets exciting because then it contradicts some of the the data and the information that's out there so um yeah i guess we want to be on the on the front line of this and saying hey have you seen this paper have you seen these studies um, because there's some great information coming out and you know you deserve to know about this you know as a listener you deserve Mm. to know that it contradicts some of the things we're being told that are fine and safe so let's talk about what we're actually talking about right (laughs) we're going to talk tonight about artificial sweeteners now there's probably lots of different ways of describing these. I generally call them alternative sweeteners because they're not all artificial. Some of them are uh, mm-hmm. plant-derived, so that doesn't make them artificial. So these are things that are non-sugar, you know, anything that's not sugar but has a sweetness to it. Um, for most people, they're the most common things you'll think about when we talk about non-nutritive sweeteners. Um, you're going to be thinking about things like Equal or Splenda, um, which, you know, in chemical terms, Equal is aspartame, Splenda is sucrose. 
Um, they've done a great job branding and, and holding their, uh, their registered trademarks for these products. But for most yeah. people, you know, they've seen them on the cafes, you know, on the table. Most people have sat at a cafe and gone to try and find in their little, you know, little ceramic dish, which, uh, which sugar packet they're trying to find. You know, there's obviously raw sugar there, white sugar, and, uh, you usually find an alternative such as Splendor or Sucralose. So, I was trying to think of that name so for so long tonight. I couldn't think of because I, I thought of sweet and low and you like the saccharin, the sucralose, but I couldn't mm. think of the one that was always sitting on the equal. cafe and it's equal and it's yeah. those little little tiny balls or tabs that you yeah. like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it's funny, Ash, that you say aspartame and I say aspartame. I I think they're both right, but it's just funny that. Um, so we're going to use those terms interchangeably. Is it like potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Possibly, uh, <laughs> quite possibly. Um, all we, we, what we do know though is that. Whenever we talk about artificial sweeteners and its health effects, it's actually really controversial. So depending on which camp you sit in, this is one of those topics that can get really heated. And there is definitely a movement of, um, oh, gosh, uh, nutritionists, I guess, um, and maybe dietetics or some other practitioners who will absolutely plant their flag and say that, um, you know, aspartame is absolutely unequivocally safe. And there's even um, social media accounts that attest to that, which I think is really ballsy to come out and say that because there's so much evidence that shows that it's absolutely not safe. And the like proper metabolic and biological effects of these artificial sweeteners um, have not necessarily been studied that well. But there is lots of stuff that's coming out now that's showing, again, unequivocally, that it has an effect on your system. And we're going to break that down for you tonight. Um, yeah, I think that's probably a good good lead in. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, it's that whole idea that, you know, for quite some years there's been this um, concept of, you know, is it sugar versus artificial sweeteners? Which one's better? You know, what's better for you? Is it better to have the Diet Coke um, because, you know, it's healthier? Um I just smile at those conversations. I almost feel like I have no voice to say a thing because part of me just goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> is, that oh, even a, is that even a question? <laughs> I just let people bring that stuff into my practice. Like it's, yeah. it's hilarious if, say, a new patient accidentally walks in with like a Coke or a Diet Coke or something and I'm like, oh, get that out of here. <laughs> exactly. Or um, other patients in the, in the reception will go, oh, don't let Andrew see you with that. She will not mm. let you in here. And it's so funny. But And it's for a reason as well. And because there's no part of that that is conducive for health as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, artificial sweeteners became really popular um, probably in the 80s, I reckon, when there was that big movement into, like, diet, low-fat, low-sugar, all of those sorts of things. Um, but there was actually some links um, awesome research that showed that there was some links to cancer with aspartame and artificial sweeteners back in the 1970s. Now, since then, um, there were some some issues with the study designs that were done back then, and in more sort of recent times, they've kind of um, rebutted a lot of that information because the research didn't necessarily like expand or extrapolate into um, or translate into like a human population. Um, and because they kind of rebutted some of that information, a lot of people just took that and ran with it and decided that, oh, well, if it doesn't cause cancer, it must be perfectly safe then. 
Um, and it's it's simply just not true. I think that's such a good point to make, isn't it? Because in that um, whole era of looking for the low-fat, no-fat alternatives, it was definitely something that was placed into things like yogurts and a lot of the alternatives such as soft drinks. Um, and I, I, I guess my challenge has always been, um, ladies, you need to ask the question of yourself when, when you choose a product that may have an alternative sweetener in it, does this make an unhealthy choice healthy? Or it just means it's just a less unhealthy Ooh, choice, right? Mic drop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when people challenge uh, any thoughts I have on it, I'm like, yeah, but does this still make <laughs> an unhealthy choice healthy? Because it's in a soda, because it's in a cake, because it's in a loaf of bread, because it's in a bottled, you know, tomato sauce that's designed to sit on the shelf for the next three years. Um does yeah. that make it a healthy choice? And don't forget that these sweeteners are too often 200 times sweeter than sugar. So just because they don't have that same caloric profile does not mean that it is not so intensely sweet on the palate. Um, and I've always thought that that surely that must be confusing for the body. Oh, 100%. Look, I, this is where it drives me into that whole idea of, hang on, aren't we just you know, tricking humans into liking sweet stuff. You know, mm. we're, we're essentially yeah. creating a, a conceptual, like, addiction, the idea that, oh, sweet. Because we the reality is human brain easily gets hooked on sweet, right? We all have a tendency to like sweet stuff. Um, and when you start talking about, like, 200 times sweeter than sugar, then you start to realise that there is a significant possibility that people are actually getting more and more hooked on things that are sweet and then things that are naturally sweet. Let's just say something like, well, not the modern apple, but apples, bananas, generally fruit suddenly seems less sweet and less yeah. enticing, um, yeah. which is partly why, you know, they've had to hybridize things to become sweeter, which is, you know, another, a whole nother realm of stuff. But it's almost like a race to make things as sweet as like completely tactile like as if whatever our taste buds can handle we'll keep making it that sweet until people go oh my god too sweet can't handle um and they'll just well, it's that bliss point isn't it yeah it's that combination of the often the sweet the fat and the salty that just i don't know gets people hooked <laughs> it's, mm. it's the drug yeah, yeah. So um, I guess, I mean, I'm familiar with this because I know in my house I watched my mum, and sorry, mum, you know, I'm not. it's not a shaming episode here. It's just saying like I watched it and I always used to think, oh, I don't really like that stuff anyway. So it was kind of good because I never really liked the flavour of them. But I know my mum went through a stage, um, would have been the 90s, where everything was like, the, the diet yogurts, everything was the go low, the sugar-free, like there was pretty much all the products in the house, the, anything that mum thought she was dieting with all had diet something. Yes, um, yeah. And I, I, I think it was just a reflection because even places like Weight Watchers at the time were putting people onto the, all the diet products and, you know, they may have changed their tune now but the reality was they taught a lot of people, a lot of women particularly, that diet products are better for you somehow. Um, mm -hmm. You know, less calories means good, means weight loss. But, you know, I think a lot of women will realize that that era of the go low diet stuff actually didn't help them lose a lot of weight. You know, they tended to find that there was the yo-yo effect, um, yeah. you know, the up, down, the weight gain, weight loss, weight gain uh, responses there. And this is where a lot of the studies have focused on do these products help with weight loss? So, Andrea, tell mm -hmm. us what some of the studies say because I know that um, it's... Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, that we've got 
uh, so much research here, and there is actually really good, powerful studies that um, suggest this. And Ash, mm. my dad was the same. Um, he yeah. would drink, oh gosh, like sometimes I think maybe four or six cans of Diet Coke a day, which just tastes ugh, foul. Like the um, the artificial sweeteners leave almost that powdery taste on your tongue yeah and then my mom sat in the opposite camp where you know my mom would have these one-liners like uh microwaves destroy the molecular structure of the food and um uh, artificial sweeteners are like a hepato and a brain toxin like a liver and a brain toxin they cause cancer all of those sorts of things so um you know i grew up with mom uh just like swearing us off all of this sort of stuff and you know she was so bloody clever like well ahead of her time and she you know definitely knew that there was something going on there and if we look at, for example, um, the evidence around whether or not um, using these artificial sweeteners is actually supportive for weight loss, there is actually like no studies that are compelling enough that show that it has such a significant impact on weight loss. So there's been lots of studies that have shown that there's a positive association with artificial sweeteners and obesity. Um, as well as um, the use of artificial sweeteners with glucose um, tolerance in mice. So essentially this is um, like insulin resistance, for example. It, there has other, been other studies that show it increases weight and waist circumference. There's a high incidence of obesity, hypertension, so that's your high blood pressure, um, metabolic syndrome, which is that precursor to diabetes, and then the eventual diabetes and cardiovascular disease as well. And that's all just around just the metabolic side of it. And that's not including um, some of the really recent stuff that's just come out that we've been looking into. And um, Ash, if you're okay for me to just kind of um, jump ahead a little bit here and I'll just talk about that. So the reason why we actually um, kind of wanted to dive into this tonight is because there's been two recent studies that have just been published um, from the Journal of the Endocrine Society showing that artificial sweeteners can cause long-term metabolic damage. Um, and that's really scary, like long-term metabolic damage. And this came up because they were actually analyzing what the prenatal exposure and then health effects would be to mum and bub if, um, you know, for example, uh, mum has some artificial sweeteners or something with aspartame, for example, in it while she's pregnant. And what they found is that when they when using these artificial sweeteners in those really critical growth periods, um, so for example, if mum's consuming while pregnant, it increases the risk of obesity, glucose intolerance, which is again your your pre-diabetic and then eventually your diabetic state. It changes um, taste buds and sweet preferences changes all your metabolic pathways, so it changes the metabolism of the bulb. It changes your microbiome function as well and has been shown to that some of the, the bugs will undergo adaptations that then makes them pathogenic. Um, and it also will change dis and dysregulate brain pathways that actually control metabolism. Mm. And that there's also a suppression of the nerves that innervate the pancreas. And your pancreas is obviously the organ, which is um, what's responsible for your, I guess, blood sugar control. And it decreases the parasympathetic nerves to the pancreas. And your parasympathetic nervous system is your rest and digest pathway. So it, it changes all of the outputs to, you know, all of these really important essential parts of your body. Um, and it also... Um, you know, in, in these studies, it shows that 
the presence of some of these sweeteners was found in cord blood, amniotic fluid, and breast milk, and absolutely changed in utero growth and development. That's pretty massive. It's extraordinary. And uh, the big line that caught me, obviously, because I'm all about, you know, pediatric pregnancy, infant health, was it literally says, in infants, we documented the immediate appearance of non-nutritive sweetener in breast milk after the mother's consumed diet soda. That's just so incredible. You would never feed your, well, you know, I'm saying this is a broad overarching statement. You would, when would you ever give your newborn like diet coke or whatever? Hey, it's just you it's really it's really hard to to comprehend actually, and also the you know that the reality is that it crosses blood brain barriers, it crosses placental barriers. It's like wow, these things mimic our you know natives' chemistry, which means they could have far deeper reaching consequences than we may even realize right now. And even though we've been studying them for thirty years, my question is always: Have we been asking the right questions? You know, because some of the early studies were not looking for the right right things. They weren't um, the hypothesis and the, the studies surrounding that was not really asking the right question. They were often funded by companies that were invested in the outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, so now we're starting to get some independent studies. Which in this case, I had a quick look to see where you know who funded this uh, particular study, and it was mostly like national health institutes, and they're all related to health and a few things like that. And I thought that's really interesting because they're somewhat independent. They don't really have you know a big bearing on what the outcome is. Um, as in positive or negative. So to find these, you know, I guess what I call negative findings is quite a powerful thing to be seen uh, presented because there's been a lot of discussion about it. Um, and like you said, social media, you know, people who are who are vested in the outcomes, maybe they have protein powders. They have, and this is, you know, hate well, to say yes. it, hate to say it, right? But one of the major sources of these non-nutritive sweeteners is protein powders. So in the health industry, anyone who's dealing with weight loss you know, muscle gain, um, protein powders, anything that relates to, you know, body fat composition is pretty much pumping their product with this because they're not adding calories um, to it with sugar. But they're adding sweetness to it with the non-nutritive sweeteners. So I'm always a little bit dubious when someone comes out and says, no, they're amazing, they're safe, blah, 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 and then I find out they sell protein powder. I'm just like, ah, you know what? If you were say they were not safe, then you can't sell that product on your website, right? Um, Because that's a complete contradiction to your your information. Um, Not to mention, you know, we were talking about this before we started, and I was like, ah, should we say this? You know, we might get into trouble. (laughs) What? what happens if they come after us um but you know like literally we, we've had a look on the website as of today you know the 3rd of june uh 4th of june thursday the 4th of june diabetes australia has data on their you know download sheets here that says non-nutritive sweeteners are kilojoule free and have no effect on blue blood glucose levels um, found in supermarkets. They've got all the brand code numbers. So, ladies, if you're not sure, if you don't see those words or you think, I've never heard that word, I'm not sure what you're talking about, in um, food packaging, these are the numbers you need to, like, look out for because they may not be listed in names. They may just be listed as a code number. It's the 900s, 954, 952, 951, 955, 950. Um, basically, yeah, anything from 950 through to 960 is uh, essentially going to be a non-nutritive sweetener. And, um, you know, it literally says, are non-nutritive sweeteners safe? Yes, is there, you know, their answer there. It's been tested by Food Standards Australia, New Zealand, and 
And in this case, it's, you know, a sulfamine K, allotame, aspartame, we've just talked about equal, and sucralose splendor. So, you know, like... And this. then in the study that came out from the Journal of the Endocrine Society, um, and I want you to read you the name of this study because it's so bloody long, but we'll post it on social media. But the last line in this, um, taken together, our data indicates that maternal non-nutritive sweetness um, consumption causes neurodevelopmental abnormalities in offspring that can contribute to lifelong metabolic dysregulations. So it's abs- like it's, you know, there needs to be a catch up with research, with this information, right? And I think that we've talked about before that when um, trends in health usually take 17 years for mainstream medicine to catch up, um, it, 17 years for this information to then become mainstream would just be so ridiculous. Um, it's already showing that it's it's not safe and to avoid it. Um, and I well, think that it's, it means yeah. an entire generation of children. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. an interesting concept to think we could just ignore a whole generation of kids, even though we know the data suggests it's not a, an ideal thing to uh, be consuming. I'm also interested in how you talk about that neurological impact, because I know that for a very long time, there've been key studies looking at, um, how would you like to say, aspartame, aspartame? Aspartame. aspartame. However you say, I say aspartame, but I'm totally <laughs> up to you. Like, what do you That'll do. I don't mind, right? Same, same. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it's it's been interesting to see that there's been multiple studies, um, some key ones, 2006, 2007, 2010, which is a lifespan study um, that has considered, you know, confirming that uh, aspartame is a carcinogenic agent in multiple sites in rodents. Um, and that's, you know, both males and females. Okay, they're rodents, but, you know, time and time again, historically, rodent studies translate into human studies. So yeah. we shouldn't be too surprised if finally somewhere down the track they go, oh, look at that, that affects humans too. Because um, I know the challenges of these studies always say, oh, yeah, but that's in mice, that's in rodents. Uh-huh. And yet time and time again they show, you know, a correlation as it catches up to human data. So I'm a big fan of <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why they do use mice for so many human studies because you can um, essentially extrapolate that information and then, um, it, you know, essentially it's relevant in humans. I think that the carcinogenic effects, they really um, – uh, they had lots of problems with that because in rats, if you give them enough vitamin C, it can be carcinogenic as well. So I think mm. that they were trying to um, say, you know, it's not like you're comparing apples and apples. And But even if it's not carcinogenic, even if it's proven that it's not going to necessarily have those carcinogenic or cancer-causing effects, we've still listed a whole bunch of other really negative health implications that come with the consumption of this. Remember, including um, like a trend to increasing weight and waist circumference, high rates of diabetes, changes in whole metabolic pathways, disruption of your microbiota and your gut health, which then, you know, it was obviously going to have more of an impact on um, your immune function and so on and so forth. Like there's enough evidence there that shows that consumption of this is not safe. Well, there was a 2017 study um, reported in a journal publication called Stroke, and they have shown that um, the evidence suggested that there was a higher increase of ischemic stroke and also a high increase in Alzheimer's disease dementia for those people consuming uh, regular 
NNS, so non-nutritive sweeteners. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason they've, they've you know, hypothesized and, and reasoned out why that might be is because in the body, um, the methyl ester and aspartame metabolizes into methanol, then converted into formaldehyde, and that's been linked to Alzheimer's disease. That is crazy. And then when um, – so as soon as you take, for example, aspartame, um, it's broken down into the body straight away into your phenylalanine, aspartic acid, and, and the methanol. Mm-hmm. And the phenylalanine component of it decreases serotonin almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just like that's the kind of chemical effect it's having on your system. And ladies, remember that serotonin is your feel-good, happy neurotransmitter. It's also essential for um, peristalsis in the gut, so proper gut function too. Um, so, you know, we've got to be thinking like downstream effects of this as well. And that, um, link with Alzheimer's ash is just scary. Really scary, right? Because if we look at the generation that we're promoted, you know, the, the dietary products, they're our generation now that are becoming, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, and we're really seeing a huge upward trend of, you know, incidence of Alzheimer's and, and dementia um, and cognitive decline. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's always just like I'm a person who stays curious. I'm like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, would I want to find out 20 years from now that, um, you know, consuming mm-hmm. this for 20 years is damaging my brain, you know, and that I can't reverse that damage? I, I probably would yeah. prefer to avoid it if it's inconclusive. And I think that's probably the key word from taking away tonight. There is a lot of studies, you know, suggesting that it's beneficial, question the, the you know, question the, the yes. framework behind that. Um, there's a lot of studies showing that it's detrimental. And I think what you really need to say is doesn't matter what you believe right now, just know that it's inconclusive. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And so if something's inconclusive, is that enough for you to take a risk? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, actually, there were so many other things that I wanted to get into tonight, but I, I think that we should do that on another episode. And I wanted to cover things like, um, stevia, erythritol, xylitol, mm. um, agave, and all of that sort of stuff. Because, you know, stevia used to be used traditionally um, as a contraceptive. So, like, um, sort of in uh, particularly, like, uh, southern parts of America. So, m- maybe we'll do a follow-up episode on maybe not artificial sweeteners, but maybe some of the alternatives um, and those things. But I do, before we wrap up, ladies, I just wanted to give you a bit of a list of things that you might find these artificial sweeteners in um, because sometimes they're hidden in places that you wouldn't sort of necessarily think. And just like the protein powders, Ash, you're spot on. I completely forgot about that. Um, and I, I do remember that there's been a couple of brands that I've completely turned off because of the presence of like, you know, saccharin and everything else in them. Mm. Um, but obviously, you know, your diet, anything is a big hint. If it says diet or sugar-free on it, but it has a sweet taste, then that's a pretty good clue um also things like chewing gum breath mints um those usually all have artificial sweeteners in them um especially if they're uh the i don't want to say the non-healthy brands because some of their more kind of uh, quote-unquote health food type um say chewing gums usually have um i think more xylitol or erythritol in them um but this also might be, you know, your sugar-free cereals, condiments, um, flavoured syrups, even um, flavoured waters as well. Um, diet, uh, iced tea products as well. Often like meal replacements, shakes, nutrition bars, um, any 
sugar-free lollies or candy or chocolate. Um, and it can also be hidden in like your dairy products like yours. Um, you were describing, Ash, in the like the sugar-free or the diet yogurts um, well, to kind of sweeten it. Yeah, and um, don't be deceived by the fact that they're not always diet. So simple things like brand, uh, uh, hey, uh, yeah. maybe we can say brand because it's true, it's what's on the labels, but things like fruit, for example, um, you know, those sort of dietary, like the desserty yogurts, yeah. um, they don't have to say diet. They still have it in there. So it may not just be a diet yeah. product. So don't be misled by that because, again, that's just another, you know, clever marketing, guys, that will help keep the market open for people that think, oh, no, I'll stay away from the diet things. Um, they still, yeah. you know, keep them sweet and keep them addictive. So um, yeah. I think, you know, um, to be really aware that they're, they're there and they're just in a lot of products and pretty much you want to question anything that's sweet. The fact that it's in bread is terrifying. Yeah, and um, like vegetable juices, uh, they sweeten it with that. Um, Fibre laxatives, um, some fibre oral powders as well, Um, and also in Australia, um, the Barocca, so the effervescent vitamin B, um, uh, I use that term loosely, but the effervescent kind of – thing that you can get from the supermarket or from um, pharmacies, Barocca, most of them contain aspartame as well. Yeah, low um, so l- just, low, yeah. low sugar things like jams, you know, low sugar yes. lollies. Like just for people who are yes. looking for alternatives, they're like, oh, less, this has 50% less sugar. Oh, fantastic. That sounds great. Um, but, you know, because they're obviously cashing in on the trend that people are, have been, you know, trialling and playing with this concept of sugar-free diet, you know, going for, for low sugar, no f- sugar living, but uh, knowing full well that people still like sweet things so um read your labels read your labels that's (laughs) right i think it's really important though just to have a you know have a think about whether it's really worth keeping those sweet things in your diet um as a as a way to you know satisfy your taste buds um and whether these things are really you know really worth it um because we've talked about some of the, the things that are suggesting it may not be as you know worth it as we think it is i'm personally don't consume them so you know that sort of says everything i think for most of my clients if they ever ask a question i'm just like wouldn't touch it oh really i'm like wouldn't touch it don't need it it doesn't need to be part of a life or diet it isn't made by nature it doesn't come from a plant it's not what i want i think it's just that age old just eat real food right Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent All right. On that note, ladies, um, hopefully you've enjoyed our little sassy uh, kind of workup on artificial sweetness and make sure you're reading your labels. So, so important. Um, Don't forget to look out for those numbers in the 900s, um, but we'll post that on social media for you anyway. Uh, So, ladies, don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels that we talked about before. Make sure you've subscribed to us on iTunes or whatever um, podcast medium that you are using. Um, Give us a five-star rating because we love that and that's really how we kind of help to i don't know have a nice good far reach to around the around the globe so ladies we are the wellness women you've been listening to wellness women radio we are dr andrea huddleston and dr ashley bond and until next week be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Boss the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.